Welcome to The Analysis. I'm Greg Wilpert. Two presidential elections took place in Latin America last Sunday. One of them was a first-round election in Peru, and the other was a runoff election in Ecuador. In another segment, we discussed the Ecuadorian election. In this segment, we'll take a closer look at the election in Peru, in which 18 candidates competed and were top two finishers now head for the runoff election which takes place in June. The two winners of the first round were a leftist candidate, Pedro Castillo, with 19% of the vote, and a far-right candidate, Keiko Fujimori, with 13.2%. Joining me to analyze Peru's first-round election result is Francesca Emanuel. She's a Peruvian graduate student in anthropology at American University and is also a columnist for the Peruvian news outlet, Weka. Thanks for joining me today, Francesca. Thank you for inviting me, Greg. So before we get into the election result, uh, let's start with the context in which this election took place. Peru has faced a lot of political instability in recent years with four presidential elect uh, presidents in the past five years, only one of whom was actually elected. So, um, and also the polls show that most of Peruvians are tired of the whole political class. Now, what has been going on and why has there been so much political instability in Peru recently? Yeah, uh, Greg, so as you said, Peruvians uh, the Peruvian population is sick and tired of politicians. They have lost their trust in politicians, and the main reason is corruption. Just uh, last November, there was an impeachment against our former president, Martin Vizcarra. Thousands of people went to the streets to reject this impeachment because they claim that uh, leaders or legisla uh, legislators in Congress uh, led this impeachment because Martin Vizcarra was uh, having a campaign against corruption and these uh, congressmen, congresswomen were under investigation for corruption. What we know now is that there were grounds uh, for these accusations against Martin Vizcarra, accusations for corruption, but there were also grounds for accusations against these uh, legislators in Congress. Just in these elections, uh, most of the 18 presidential candidates are facing criminal charges, and, and many of them because of corruption as well. But adding to this, uh, we have a horrible pandemic. And in Peru, it, since the pandemic started, more than 150,000 people have died. Uh, this has exposed, revealed, and highlighted the, the deep inequalities that exist in Peru, despite the fact that the IMF and the World Bank has been praising the, the economy of Peru as one of these like wonderful uh, countries in Latin America that everybody in Latin America should follow. But with this pandemic, we have seen uh, clearly these inequalities. And when rich people were able to buy oxygen and buy beds in or or pay for beds in hospitals and clinics, while poor people have had to die on the streets. So they uh, they realize even more of these inequalities during this pandemic, and this is the context uh, where uh, these elections took place. People fed up with politicians, and people fed up with the economic model as well. Mm. 
Now, the fact that Pedro Castillo got over 18 percent, uh, that is 19 percent actually now, uh, of the vote with 95 percent of the ballots counted uh, was uh, actually a bit of a surprise. That is, um, even though he's, you know, it's, that's a relatively low percentage uh, in the scheme of things, uh, he's the front runner now for the runoff election in June. Now, how did he get there? Wasn't um, another leftist, Veronica Mendoza, uh, who almost made the runoff in the presidential election in 2016 much better known than Castillo? And why didn't she do better? Yeah, I, I have three reasons uh, for that. The first one is that uh, Veronica Mendoza was seen as a politician. She actually was running for the second time. This time she has been a congresswoman. And as we said before, people in Peru are sick of uh, are sick and tired of politicians. And while Pedro Castillo wasn't seen a politician. And this is one of the reasons. The other reason is that people who support, uh, who voted for Pedro Castillo are people located in the Andes, in the center of the country. And they see Pedro Castillo as someone like them. They identify with him. And even though Veronica Mendoza was born and raised in the Andes too, in Cusco, she studied abroad. Uh, her mother was uh, from France. And Veronica Mendoza has a very academic discourse. Well, Pedro Castillo was uh, created a sentiment of like uh, working class people understand him discourse that better. And finally, uh, there were uh, many years when uh, the economic groups and the mainstream media were attacking constantly Veronica Mendoza because she is a leftist candidate. While Pedro Castillo rose in the polls in the last, before five days before the elections, and there was not enough time for a coordinated uh, attack. Uh, a strategic attack by the economic forces and also the mainstream media. There are some people who think that Veronica Mendoza lost uh, because her she has a moderate narrative, a moderate discourse. Well, I think uh, that's that's not that's that's not accurate. I I feel that. Pedro Castillo and Veronica Mendoza has a lot of similarities in terms of economic positions, their economic positions. And I think it was how it was presented, these proposals, and especially who were presenting them, like Veronica Mendoza, who is from the Andes, but who doesn't like people can identify her directly, while Pedro Castillo, people can see themselves in him. So let's uh, dig a little bit deeper in terms of uh, who is Pedro Castillo, that is, uh, what does he stand for and who does he represent? And also if you could say something about the effort to link him to the uh, Shining Path and what that means for his uh, candidacy. Yeah, so Pedro Castillo is a school teacher, a rural school teacher. He's a farmer. Uh, he considers himself a peasant. He doesn't identify himself as an indigenous. He doesn't speak Quechua, but he definitely considered himself a peasant. And and it's 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 nobody in the history of, of the Peruvian Republic has reached the second round. Nobody like him with uh, a, a little economic resources. His campaign cost 
$8,000. So uh, this is a victory for uh, Peruvian working class people, for Peruvian people who were uh, forgotten and neglected for many years. So that's one thing about Pedro, Pedro Castillo. He was known in 2017 when he was leader, leading uh, a teacher's strike. And then we didn't hear from him until now that he is running for elections. He is economically uh, progressive, but socially conservative. So he proposes uh, an economic model uh, like the uh, economic model in Ecuador under Correa and in, in Bolivia under Evo Morales. He proposes nationalizing uh, strategic natural resources. He proposes reviewing the mining projects. And he proposes a new constitution that would replace the constitution that was approved under uh, Alberto Fujimori, the, dictator, the dictatorship of Alberto Fujimori. But he has contradictions, as I said, in economically progressive, but socially uh, conservative. So he's against abortion. He's against uh, the gay marriage. He's again against gender equality. And he's against something that we call in Latin America the gender approach, which is uh, an inclusion in the economic, uh, education curriculum uh, of uh, gender equality and this idea that uh, the gen gender is a construction. And regarding what you said about the shining path, the media has been attacking him for this, and uh, there is uh, there is some uh, evidence that members of his party, and including himself, have some connections with the political branch of the Shining Path, which is called Movader. Uh -huh. Now, I, I want to turn to um, the other uh, runoff candidate, uh, Keiko Fujimori, who, who got uh, about 13% ahead of uh, Everybody else, it seems now. Uh, finally, we have the results now, and um, she's the daughter of, uh, as you mentioned. Uh, well, you mentioned uh, the dictator Alberto Fujimori, and uh, she even has spent time in prison for corruption. Now, with that kind of a background, it seems kind of odd that she should uh, still be able to make a runoff election uh, for the presidency of Peru, although she came very close to winning actually in 2016. So uh, how is it that she got so much support and what does she stand for? Yeah, so you said she is uh, reaching the second uh, round just with 13% of the vote. So uh, she, as you said, was uh, is the daughter of Alberto Fujimori because he's still alive. He's serving uh, 25 years in prison because uh, for corruption and also because he committed uh, crimes against humanity. And she was the the uh, first lady for Alberto Fujimori. When Alberto Fujimori divorced his wife, who is uh, Keiko Fujimori's mother, her name is Susana Iguchi, uh, Alberto Fujimori asked Keiko to be her uh, his first lady. Uh, by the way, Susana Iguchi uh, claimed publicly that Alberto Fujimori ordered torture her uh, with electroshocks. And Keiko Fujimori has been defending her father and not her mother uh, and, and saying that this, this wasn't true. Um, well, but returning to Keiko Fujimori, 
Uh, she was a congresswoman for five years, and she has been the leader of the Fujimori's party uh, since the dictatorship ended, because this party has been having presence in Congress for all these years. So yeah, of course, uh, her political movement was still alive. And then you see that 13% uh, of the vote. Uh, she is economically conservative. And, and she is socially conservative. She believes in neoliberal policies. And uh, the, the, the striking thing to me and for many people in Peru is that she was in prison for 15 months before this campaign under investigation. Uh, the, the public prosecutor's office has asked a sentence for her of 30 years because Supposedly, she received $1.2 million for uh, the Odebrecht real estate company from Brazil to, to finance illegally uh, her party. And so this investigation is still going on. And she is supposed to be continue being in prison, but because of the pandemic, she's out. And because there's not a sentence, she was able to run. But yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's. It's schizophrenic that, that she is running and she will be in the second round. Hmm. That's really quite something. So um, now, how do you think that uh, Peruvians in general, and more specifically the country's you know, um, political class, will react to this choice, basically, between Pedro Castillo, who's considered to be, actually, some newspapers have been calling him, at least Western newspapers, have been calling him extreme left or far left. And then you've got Keiko Fujimori, who's no doubt uh, a far right figure. So um, do you think there will be alliances formed? And particularly, I'm wondering what uh, the, the candidates that uh, were on the left hand of the spectrum uh, are going to do. I, I assume they're going to support Castillo, but also the more center uh, portion of uh, of um, Ecuador's, uh, sorry, Peru's uh, political class. Will they? Uh, which way do you think they'll go uh, to support uh, Fujimori or to support Castillo? Well, so uh, so far there has been conversations among the right wing candidates. If we see uh, the two candidates. Uh, after Keiko Fujimori, Rafael Lopez Aliaga, and De Soto both got like around 10%, 11% of the of the vote. So uh, they, I think, will support Keiko, even though they haven't said it publicly. Uh, Hernando De Soto, one of these candidates, was uh, an advisor for Keiko and for Alberto Fujimori in the past. The other candidate that uh, got around 11% of the vote, uh, Rafael Lopez Aliaga, who is also a right-wing, super conservative millionaire who, during the dictatorship of Alberto Fujimori, uh, gain uh, the millions that he has right now because Alberto Fujimori gave him concessions uh, to have an, a monopoly of the train that goes from Cusco to Machu Picchu. But in any case, so these two candidates will, uh, I think, support Keiko Fujimori. So then you have at least 30% of the vote. Uh, the other candidates ha haven't said uh, 
anything yet. I think many of them will continue saying Fujimori nunca más, Fujimori never again, because Fujimori, Keiko Fujimori has a strong anti-vote against her. But I doubt that these other candidates will support Pedro Castillo unless Pedro Castillo changes some of his proposals. In the term of the left, Yesterday, Veronica Mendoza, who is this leftist uh, candidate uh, that uh, was, uh, it's part of a, of a coalition of parties, of leftist parties and, and leftist organizations, uh, didn't endorse Pedro Castillo, but said publicly, Fujimori nunca más, Fujimori not even to the corner of your house because uh, you know what Fujimori is and you know that Fujimori supports uh, uh, a dictator, uh, Keiko Fujimori supports the dictator, the dictatorship of, of her father. She, uh, Keiko Fujimori, by the way, offered that she will pardon her father as soon as she reaches the presidential seat. And uh, but Veronica Mendoza said that she has some doubts about Pedro Castillo and and his proposals, especially in the social side of them, the the abortion, like LGTB. IQ rights and but I feel that in the next few weeks we will see that the left will make a proposal to Pedro Castillo to change some of his views and let's see if they will support him will they will endorse him openly we still have two months uh, to see those arrangements um, the um, of course the, a deciding factor perhaps in all of this might be uh, the role of um, Peru's uh, you know, business class, basically. And of course, one would assume that we would, would prefer uh, Fujimori over uh, Castillo. I'm just wondering, uh, is that the sense that people get? I mean, how did they fare under Fujimori government, that is her father's, Abeto Fujimori, and assuming that Keiko would be more or less similar? Would that, do you think that will be their preference? Yeah, definitely. They are already talking about uh, Keiko Fujimori as the democratic option. Uh, just implying that Pedro Castillo will be the non-democratic option. The, the, the mainstream media has been attacking also Pedro Castillo, not only because of his connections to the political branch of the Shining Path, but also because Pedro Castillo has said publicly that he doesn't believe that uh, the, the press uh, Maduro uh, Venezuelan uh, government is a dictatorship. And mainstream media in Peru uh, is, is certain that uh, Venezuela is a, a dictatorship. So uh, this is another line that we'll, we will hear in the next few weeks. But I think that definitely the right-wing media, the economics groups will support Keiko Fujimori. So far, they are not saying it publicly. They are not saying we are going to support Keiko Fujimori, but we will see it in the next weeks. And as I said, they are they are talking about her as the democratic option. Uh, one last, actually, it just occurred to me, and one last other question is uh, mm -hmm. to make a comparison to uh, other right-wing figures in Latin America and around the world. Do you think it would be fair to compare her to somebody like Jair Bolsonaro? I mean, just to get a, give people an idea as to where she stands, so to speak, on the political spectrum. Yeah, I think so, definitely. Yeah, she she is extremely right wing and and extremely populist, uh, and and 
she is super conservative and she believes in free market and she thinks that the United States is a strong ally of the Peru and, and this model, she calls it like this economic model should continue. We should defend the economic model, she says. And, and, and she, she has not even one progressive uh, uh, position. Of course, it's different in the sense that she has been in politics forever. Right. Right. And 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 Bolsonaro is relatively new. Right. Um, even though, of course, he was in in Brazilian Congress. But uh, uh, yeah, I think we, we should compare her to to Bolsonaro. Okay. Well, it looks like it's going to be a very interesting two months leading up to the uh, runoff election. And, and hopefully, you know, we'll come back to you again to see how things turn out. Uh, but we're going to leave it there. I was speaking to Francesca Emanuel, Peruvian graduate student of anthropology at American University and freelance journalist. Thanks again, Francesca, for having joined me today. Thank you. And thanks to our viewers and listeners for joining the analysis. Please don't forget to head to our website at theanalysis.news and make a donation so we can continue to provide programming such as this. Mm -hmm.